While women and men tend to enter into the workforce with essentially about the same levels of trust, that declines rapidly as careers continue to progress. And we see that big delta between men and women, and that continues to lag throughout the progression of people's careers until we start to see a little bit of it come back when women are starting to hit the more senior levels, but they never really get to the same equivalent levels as we saw when people first enter the workforce. Hi, and welcome back to the New Rules of Business by Chief. I'm Carolyn Childers. And I'm Lindsay Kaplan, and we're the co-founders of Chief, the most powerful community of senior executive women. On this podcast, we challenge preconceived notions of leadership. And in this week's episode, we explore the complicated topic of trust, and we dig into a really important question. Why do women trust their employers less than the men do? There's a whole host of reasons why high-trust organizations are so important and how much they drive the bottom line. I mean, for one, high-trust organizations are more likely to have loyal customers and employees. So those employees are more likely to stay at the company longer. And of course, those consumers are more likely to buy a product or service from the organization. But when it comes to measuring employee trust, things can get really tricky. Research from Deloitte shows that company leaders tend to overestimate how much their teams trust them by as much as 40%. I'm now paranoid of how much our team trusts us, Lindsay. So I'm just letting that sink in. (laughs) Yeah. And get ready for this one. Women and men enter the workforce trusting their employers at about the same rate. But by the time women reach the director level, they trust their employers 30% less than men at the same level. And I can only imagine this is compounded for those with intersectional identities. I imagine it is. So what happens for women when they reach senior leadership positions? Yeah, it's not great. That research shows the scores only begin to recover as women enter those executive ranks, but they never fully trust their employer quite as much as men. Well, I guess the good news is that things don't have to stay this way. And there is action that we can take today to build trust within our organizations and teams. Yep. So we brought in the experts who've been researching trust for years at Deloitte to break it all down. Well, let's dive in. Today, I'm so excited to be sitting down with Wenny Katzenstein and Jasmine Jacks. Wenny is a founding member of Chief and the Managing Director of Technology, Media, and Entertainment at Deloitte. Jasmine is a Principal Partner of Media and Entertainment at Deloitte. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So you both have been closely studying trust between employees and employers. What encouraged your team to start researching this topic in particular? The way that we think about trust, it's really at the center of human behavior. And through our research, we actually saw really strong benefits around trust. I think one of the interesting things, and Wenny and I working so closely together around this topic, is we've been really thinking about the intersection of consumer and workforce. So what we realized is that companies who have a really high workforce experience actually have 23% higher customer trust. So once they're able to really shift to driving better workforce trust, they're seeing those results on the consumer side. And what we also saw was that the more trusted a company is, the more it's going to outperform compared to low trust companies with up to four times more market value. So trust is key, 
But I also know your team at Deloitte conducted a study back in 2021 to understand how employer and employee trust can differ based on gender. Yeah. So that's fascinating. What are some key learnings there? Yeah. Well, you know, we absolutely love talking about how that can actually inform the way both, as Jasmine talked about, employers approach their workforce as well as what that actually means to the bottom line. Trust is actually not what we would consider monolithic. It's actually very multidimensional, just as humans are very multidimensional. And so when we went into our research, we did quite a bit of extensive work just trying to understand what actually makes up somebody's trust. For example, your trust and my trust might be the same at the base level, but really there's a number of underlying factors that are going to drive that. And so what we were able to do on the Deloitte side is really define it in four different factors. One is around the idea of humanity, which is in this case, whether or not my employer demonstrates empathy and kindness towards me. There's also the element of transparency. You know, does this employer actually use straightforward language and plain language, frankly, that I'm going to understand to share information about my workforce? experience, the motives of the organization, and decisions that ultimately matter to me. There's a third piece around capability, which is whether or not my employer provides a good work experience for me and really gives me the resources I need to do my job. And then the fourth one is really about reliability. You know, is this something where my employer is consistent and dependably delivers upon commitments they make to me as an employee? So using that as a backdrop, what we found were a couple of different things. Number one, Maybe not surprising to most people, but company leaders tend to overestimate what their employees' trusts are by a factor of about 40%. Wow. And this is something we've seen repeatedly, not just from an overall perspective, but also when we've looked at it from an industry perspective. So Jasmine and I spent a lot of time in the media and entertainment industry. We've seen the same sort of responses in terms of where leadership thinks things are versus the employee base. I think the other piece as it relates to the gender component, which of course is really important to us here at Chief, is that while women and men tend to enter into the workforce with essentially about the same levels of trust, that declines rapidly as careers continue to progress. And we see that big delta between men and women, and that continues to lag throughout the progression of people's careers until we start to see a little bit of it come back when women are starting to hit the more senior levels, but they never really get to the same equivalent levels as we saw when people first enter the workforce. So it's a big topic. It's one that we'd love to see more employers and companies talk about because it has a demonstrable impact to what companies can do to the bottom line. Yeah. What are some of those contributing factors? My brain immediately goes to both experience and years within the workplace, as well as caregiving and the responsibility piling up as women age into that responsibility. Jasmine and I have very, very long conversations about this because, you know, certainly there's a whole cohort of women who are caregivers, whether that's for parents, that's for children. There's also many women who aren't necessarily caregivers, but all of these individuals are still impacted by things like pay equality, for example, and, you know, performance assessment. These things happen very early, and it's not just about caregiving alone, although I think obviously that has an outsized impact to the the women in the workforce, but it's not necessarily equal for everybody. So one of the things that we saw in our research was actually by the time women reach the director level, when we look at their levels of trust for their employers, it's actually 30% less than men at the same level. So there's a really big gap there, even for more senior women where you would expect, you know, potentially that that gap would close, right? 
And I think there's a couple of contributing factors. I think Wenny hit on a few of them. One of the places that we've talked to a lot of our you know, clients about is really looking at the end-to-end talent lifecycle and assessing where there may be unintentional biases in some of those core talent processes. So this could look like how the performance management is set up. How are you evaluating top performers? How objective is that? What are those criteria, right? And are they favoring one gender over another, right? Just inherently by how that's defined or, or designed in the organization. And where we've been really leaning in with our clients is taking apart each part of that talent life cycle and one, assessing where some of those gaps may exist in the design of those systems and the outcomes that they're driving. And then two, actually redesigning end-to-end that process with a lens built in for equity directly within that process. A couple other factors are some of the policies, right? So some of the policies that actually were created to promote equity between men and women, such as flex time, for example, or performance-based comp, actually don't tend to benefit women as much or in the same ways as they do for men. So... One of the things that we're seeing is, you know, women are actually having a five-point trust gap around companies that deploy some of those practices like flexible working hours, right? And so I think what that's pointing to is that when women feel like they're taking advantage of some of these practices that may, you know, support them, let's say they're a working parent, they can actually be perceived as being less dedicated and may feel like they're going to be penalized over that. So being overlooked for certain promotions or opportunities within that organization. I want to dig in a little deeper to your research. I imagine that the trust gap for women is probably bigger for those with intersecting identities. Did that come up in your research as well? Yeah. Listen, across the board, women have less trust in their employer across all races, all ethnicities. That being said, there are actually some key differences. And in particularly, the greatest gap is actually with Black employees. And both women and men within the Black population have a really deep gap relative to their counterparts. We also see a gap with our Caucasian and Asian employees as well, but not to the same degree as our Black employees. And we know that there is a larger systemic issue as it relates to the equity component that Jazz spoke about specifically as it relates to Black and female employees. So how can leaders test DEI policies to ensure that they're promoting trust and operating as intended? Because you mentioned how flexible work schedules don't always yield the results we want for employees. So what is the best practice for a leader who's trying to create an equitable environment and build trust in a way that's fair to everyone? Yeah, I think a lot of it is about context, Lindsay. Context, understanding, listening, and really beginning, maybe selfishly from our perspective, measuring, right? I think really giving some true understanding of baseline, because every company is also different, right? But starting to ask, you know, whether or not your employees of different cohorts really do truly feel like you care about their well-being. Are they being assessed in ways that really kind of think about and take into consideration what may be on surface, very different than what's actually happening underneath the surface. Yeah. Just one thing I would add, Wenny, I think when I look back at, at my career at Deloitte and other places that I've worked, I think one thing that's been really helpful for me is having leaders 
not only to your point, understanding, providing that context, listening, but also role modeling, right? I think having more senior women, one just in the workforce, right? But those that are also role modeling, it's okay to take the full leave benefit and you can still be successful when you come back. Really being intentional about what they model for the rest of the workforce has been really helpful. And then conversely, I think having our male leaders also modeling behaviors. So one of the things that we have at Deloitte is parental leave for men as well in the workforce now. And the more and more that we're seeing men take advantage of some of these benefits that historically, you know, may have impacted women in a negative way, I think it's really starting to even the playing field a little bit more and making it more acceptable to take those leaves and come back and and get back in the rhythm of things. So if we could break this down into two parts, the first is what are the workplace policies that companies can implement in good faith to build trust? And then the second part of this question is what can individual leaders do who maybe can't impact policy, but can lead in a way that is building trust for both themselves as managers, as well as trust in their culture and the team. So I can take that first one. It's really around thinking about what your people within your organization need. That goes back to the point around starting with understanding the baseline and assessing and listening. I think one of the things that we encourage our clients to do is speak to your workforce, right? Have focus groups, have surveys. Don't do it once, you know, a year and then go and build a bunch of policies that, and I can say this as a former HR person, that stem from what HR or leadership thinks are really important. You need to listen to your people and understand for them what are the pieces within, let's say, your talent life cycle that are causing barriers for them in advancing? What are the things in terms of policies that they really feel like would impact their well-being or their success within the organization? And I think that assessment piece is so critical before we go off and solve something because what might work for one organization or one identity group is going to look very different for another. Be very customized, be very specific and nuanced around where your organization is along that journey and understand the needs of your people. Yeah, and I think um, your question, Lindsay, in terms of what can individual leaders do, there's flavors of exactly what Jasmine's talking about that leaders themselves should be taking into consideration in terms of, again, context, listening, asking questions, being open to feedback and understanding how you can also be a champion for your individual groups that you lead. I think what I love about this trust index that we've created here at Deloitte is it's really simple, right? There's only a subset of questions you can either nest in your existing surveys, you can leverage within focus groups. But I think it's really great to just start with that as a baseline because I think what's interesting about the way that the trust index was formed is it's really along those four dimensions that Wendy talked about earlier, right? My employer demonstrates empathy and kindness. My employer uses straightforward, plain language, right? We're creating a good work experience and we're really thinking about, you know, how we consistently deliver on the commitments. So taking that index, I think, can be a great place to start that assessment that we talked about. Yeah. And it's a great way for you to break down different cohorts 
within your organization to understand what different people need. Because what I need, what Jasmine needs, what you need are sometimes slightly different flavors. And so it allows an organization to understand what is truly sort of systemic and really impacting the broad population. And what are some things that need to be considered for potentially smaller populations, but have meaningful impact. It's a good way to diagnose potential ways to approach your organization. What questions should leaders ask to ensure that the policies that they're trying to implement in good faith are actually building trust? Yeah, that's a great question. I think to point back to Wenny's <laughs> feedback around the trust gap from leadership or perceptions around that, I think sometimes, you know, things that leaders think are really important or will help drive impact might be a little bit different than when you ask the workforce. And so one of the things that I think leaders and HR can do instead of creating policies behind closed doors is really ask for feedback from their workforce and understand what are the pieces that are going to make the most impact for that segment of the workforce and take that feedback and you know, create the solutions around that feedback. I think one of the other things that some of our most mature clients have done are even crowdsourcing some solutions. So not only looking at feedback from their workforce around policies that they would like to see or interventions to drive more equity in the system, but what could be some really great opportunities for them to actually co-create some solutions and have their fingerprints in what would be most impactful for them. I love that. What better way to build trust than to collaborate and allow people to co-create what trust could look like? The first step is asking the question. And I think organizations that are even willing to ask the question are already moving in the right direction. Are we providing an experience that is the ultimate talent experience that we hope people have when they're part of our organization is exactly where to start. Step one, acknowledge there's a problem. I think it's step one is acknowledge that there is a belief and an understanding. It doesn't always have to be a problem. I think it can be an opportunity. So it feels like there's a lot here for me to dig into. I think leaders could feel overwhelmed trying to wrestle this trust gap to the ground. What is your advice on how to approach it? Yeah, we've been lucky to work with a lot of different clients. And the good news is, Lindsay, is that even though this is a complicated topic, just even starting doesn't have to be that difficult. So what we've done is take, as Jasmine mentioned, essentially an algorithm of four questions, and it's really based on an extensive amount of research our trust team did. And we've helped clients essentially incorporate it into studies that they're already doing, employee value propositions, employee surveys. We've even done this for the consumer side as well. And again, it just provides some perspective and baseline to start making true action. And so again, I go back to the first question is asking the question, and then the rest of the journey can be very seamless from there. I love that. Start with curiosity because it's not that complicated. Yes. Yes. I think it's a very Ted Lasso approach is, you know, start with curiosity. <laughs> We're going to get into closers. So I'm going to ask both of you two very important chiefy questions. The first, I'm going to start with you, Jazz. If you could write a new rule for business to close the trust gap between men and women at work, what would it be? Redesign your performance management process. I've seen a lot of conversation with our clients in this space, but I think this is such an important 
part of the talent life cycle that can really make a difference, right? Make sure it's as objective as possible. You've got multiple points in there to assess potential biases. And don't forget about your new promotes. Support your new promotes once they make it and don't let them feel lonely when they get to the top. Love that. Wenny, same question. If you could write a new rule of business to close the trust gap, what would it be? I would say really, truly commit to the women. And I would also add underrepresented segments in your workforce. I mean, literally to the point where you are writing it into your goals and you're being held accountable for it. And also be vigilant about ensuring those efforts don't come at a price somewhere else in their experience. All right. And then final question. This is the doozy. What is the best or worst piece of advice you've ever received on leadership? Wendy, I'm going to take it to you first. So at Deloitte, we talk a lot about followership, but this is a piece of advice that came to me very early on at the beginning of my career. It's not just about who is ahead of you or in front of you, but those who are behind you and support you. And so it's really equally important to build a great team that you also commit to grow because they're really going to be the biggest arbiter of your success and ultimately your legacy. Fantastic. Jasmine, close us out. Best or worst piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Okay, I'll go with best as well. Curate a board of directors around you. I think one of the things that a lot of our female talent at Deloitte look for is, you know, that one mentor, that one sponsor who's going to do everything for them. And one of the best pieces of advice I got early on in my career was look at who's supporting you build kind of a curated list of your board of directors, people that you can go to for different purposes that can be your support for opening new doors, that can be your champion in rooms that you're not in, but also that can give you advice from a professional standpoint around the day-to-day job. So really think about what you need on your board of directors and don't look for all of that in one person. Oh, we love it. That's a walking advertisement for Chief. <laughs> Wenny and Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great, great session. I look forward to acknowledging and uncomplicatingly working on my own trust gap. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks again to Wenny and Jasmine for joining us on the podcast. So it turns out building trust at work takes more than just a trust fall at a weekend retreat. Right, Carolyn? Well, Linz, I will say I trust you a lot, but there's no way I would ever trust you in a trust fall. <laughs> I mean, you're, you've got six inches on me. So I feel like if you fell into me, A, I would not be prepared because I'd be zoning out, staring off into space. And B... <laughs> I would probably just noodle arms. not let's, raise my let's arms admit in time. It. Noodle arms. Okay, I have noodle arms. I have noodle arms. But you would catch me. Well, even though, Lindsay, I would always catch you if you fell, <laughs> trust does take continuous effort and attention, especially in the workplace. But building trust is not as complicated as we tend to think. The first step is for leaders to ask questions about trust. You need to get a sense of the baseline experience for your team. What are everybody's unique needs at your organization? And look at the entire employee lifecycle and where might bias be creeping in. So policies like flex time are great in helping support gender equity, but they don't work if women are then reprimanded in their performance reviews for taking time off. 
Absolutely. And another big takeaway I had from that research is just how important it is to support newly promoted employees who have reached that leadership and executive level. This is a moment where you would assume that there would be equality in how women and men trust their employer, but women still trust their employer less, even as they rise on that leadership journey. Ugh, not good. And high trust organizations are high performing organizations. So what do you say, Linz? Since trust falls are out, at least for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the new trust fall? Ask questions, survey your employees, and understand that trust is multifaceted and everybody has different needs. But sometimes trust falls can still be fun. Ready? Are you ready? <laughs> trust fall! And with that, we will see you next week, listeners. (laughs) Don't miss out on all of our chief content. You can get more podcast episodes by following the new rules of business on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to learn more about Chief, just head to our website, chief.com. Chief is the most powerful community for senior executive women designed to create meaningful connections with fellow executive leaders that'll unlock transformative outcomes for your career. Thanks to Sharon Yee, Courtney Conley, Mercy Harper, and Mesa Melton at Chief, and to our entire production team, Pod People. Our music is by Colin Hatch. I'm Carolyn Childers. And I'm Lindsay Kaplan. Thanks again for listening. Can we play Billy Joel, Matter of Trust? One, two, a one, two, three, four. (laughs) That's about all I know. It's not the first time Lindsay and I have had to duet.